0: Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and of course, salespeople that are looking to improve. Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, which is awesome, by the way, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at CriteriaForSuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our CFS Talk Sales series lots of s's in there (laughs) where our very own team here at cfs shares sales ideas techniques tips and insights for of course our amazing ceos managers and salespeople that are listening so thank you all for listening to our podcast we really appreciate you guys this series is all about growth and improvement and producing breakthrough results so we are so excited for today's episode and can't wait to share more this is rebecca toomey And today I am talking to Elizabeth Frederick, our operations officer and senior sales advisor here at Criteria for Success.
1: Hi everybody. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Elizabeth. So glad I could be here. I feel like we've done a lot of podcasts as a duo recently. We always have a ton of fun. Yes, we do.
0: We we really enjoy our, our duos, I think, I'd say. I definitely think they're some of my favorites for sure. Definitely. <laughs> so thank <laughs> you for writing a lot of ebooks so that we can do this. <laughs> Same to you. <laughs> Keep writing more. <laughs> you write them, I interview you. I write them, you interview me. It, it works together quite well. It works and it also works that we proofread each other's ebooks and of course I design the ebook so I get to read a lot of ebooks and great content so I love to just talk more about why we're doing this and why, you know, why, the
1: why behind the book. Definitely, (laughs) and speaking of design, I have to say this is the prettiest ebook that I think you've done so far, so thank Thank you for always doing such a great job on designing my ebooks. Thank you. And we ended up getting my favorite color in here, which purple is kind of a hard (laughs) color sometimes to put in a business resource, and it worked out really well. We went with the nice, we pulled a little bit of the darker color from the cover. You know,
0: I'm I'm a design nerd, so if you are too and you're listening, let me know what you think about the design of this particular ebook. I'm excited to hear about that. And let me know about the content. (laughs) But yeah, it was a lot of fun. and And this is such a great topic. And this is actually the theme of August this month is innovation, we're talking all about innovation. And your ebook is actually called Driving Innovation, How to Foster a Culture of Innovation on Your Team. So to our listeners, be sure to grab a copy. You can find a link to Elizabeth's ebook about driving innovation in the show notes for today's episode. And that's at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod seven three. So Elizabeth, I want to talk to you about this ebook, obviously. That's why we're here, right? Indeed. <laughs> there are so many aspects to innovation. And so I think the best place to start is by building a context for this conversation. What inspired you, aside from this being our theme for the month, To write the ebook the way that you did, and to write this ebook uh, and put it out there to our audience.
1: Definitely. So my original inspiration was when you assigned me to write an <laughs> ebook about, ins- about innovation. Have to say. Oh man! Um, well, that marketing plan you put together. But um, really, personally, I was inspired by a couple of experiences I had where I started thinking about innovation. Um, I tell this story in the intro to the ebook, but it really did happen. I needed to access a ticket for something that somehow got locked on my old iPhone. And I recently had upgraded to the iPhone X, and my last one was, I think, a 6S or something like that, and it had been only six months since I switched my phones, and they're both iPhones, Mm -hmm. and I had to unlock my old phone and access it, and... Um, look at an old version of an app and get this ticket. And I could hardly remember how to unlock my phone. I was like, my fingerprint instead of my face? What is this? Um, the app looked different. Everything, you know, the, the yeah. look and feel, the size of the screen, all this. And I was like, it's it's literally, first of all, it was in my hands every day for, you know, years before. Yeah. So I yeah. clearly knew it well. But it's changed so much. And then I had to look for something on an old website. And I'm a, I'm a total internet nerd. And I love the Wayback Machine. And so I, I found the thing I was looking for on an old version of a website, but then I went to poking around at websites that you use all the time that you don't really think of how the look and feel might change. We think Google has always looked completely white. Um, there are different times where the Google homepage has changed a lot, not just the the Google Doodle of the day, yeah, yeah. but like the actual functionality of their homepage. Amazon's a big one. We're on Amazon, you know, all the time. It's one yep. of the top five companies, yep. uh, you know, in size in the world. And when you look at the Amazon page, you don't notice always those incremental changes. If you look at Amazon three years ago, it looks completely different from how it looks today. Yeah. And so I was starting to think just about how. Innovation is the only way companies stay afloat today. Um, We can all think of companies that have struggled and haven't innovated and haven't um, met customer needs. You know, the way we buy things has changed, the way we interact with the world has changed, um, the way people make decisions has changed. Uh, Obviously, um, politics and the environment and, and just lots of things have changed around us. And if you can't change to match it, your business can fail. And we've seen companies go out of business. You know, you think of Blockbuster. Like, that doesn't exist anymore because there's Netflix, because there's streaming video everywhere. People aren't going out and renting videos. You think of, um, was it Circuit City and various other Radio Shack, um, stores where you would buy, you know, bits of technology. First of all, you don't need all those things anymore. You can do 90% of that stuff with, like, your existing phone. But people don't want to necessarily go to a store and buy anymore. They want to buy online. So if you don't meet the needs of your customers, you don't innovate out of your way out of a a situation, Mm -hmm. you might fail. And so that's that's kind of the mindset that I was in. I was thinking about my personal experiences, thinking about how I'm seeing the world change around me. And that really set the context for this ebook. I know it's a long answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I totally get what you're saying.
0: First of all, the iPhone thing is hilarious. I feel that way about my ipad i have i have an ipad 1 like the original ipad i think i have a 2 <laughs> and then i also have the ipad mini i think this one is maybe a 3 or 3 or 4 i don't i don't even know what it's up to now and it's so interesting the difference between mm-hmm. the generation i i can't even stand to turn on the one
1: because it's so slow i don't even know <laughs> where my ipad is i used to carry it literally in my bag all the time i would buy purses big enough to fit my ipad in so i could read on the train and play games on it on the train and when phones got just that little bit bigger yeah, where it became fully reasonable to do everything on your phone, I just completely switched. I don't think I could find my iPad if I went looking <laughs> for it in my apartment.
0: Yeah, they probably didn't even have Find My iPhone back then. No, yeah. who knows? But in are your, you're so right about the landscape of businesses changing. We think about uh, clothing. The clothing industry right now mm-hmm. is shopping. Is undergoing huge and massive changes. We think of all the malls technology. that are closing. Yeah, it's crazy. It,
1: when when we were young, malls were like still a thing. Like when you we would go gone. and wander the mall. We remember, like as a teenager, <laughs> at least I did. Yes. Um. Yes. And kids don't do that anymore. No. And malls are closing everywhere. And His kids are very busy playing video games. They're using <laughs> technology. They're on. Indeed. They're sitting it's, in the same room with each other on Facebook. <laughs> when I was last, uh, I think I was home for Christmas, maybe that it was, and I went to the local mall. Um, to look for last minute presents for people and literally the only stores open in the mall are the big anchor stores at the end and I had to walk from one store to the other and it was like walking through a graveyard of retail. It was just all these empty storefronts and then I saw like city government facilities had moved in there like the DMV is in a store in the mall just because the space exists and somebody needs to use it but it was weird. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because the mall, I live in
0: Stamford Connecticut and our mall has been closing a lot of stores lately and do have government agencies in our mall too? Yeah, that's where. Uh, what's it called? Social Security is there. Yeah, which made it very convenient for me when I needed to go to Social Security, but <laughs> <laughs> to change yeah. my name recently.
1: Definitely, you could do all your shopping it's very ML. convenient. Now
0: I can go to the mall afterwards. But yeah, it's things have been changing. Oh my gosh, I had a networking call yesterday, and it made me laugh because we were talking about uh, this person. And I were talking about getting together and networking, having conversations, whatever. And we were doing some brainstorming about this topic and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll just text you because email is too inconvenient. And I'm like, <laughs> man, that, that's like such a millennial sales <laughs> kind of environment. You know, we, we are just doing things in a different way now. Absolutely. I even dated myself before when I said that people are sitting around in the same room with each other on Facebook. They're not on Facebook. Yeah, everybody's well, like getting off The of baby boomers now. are on Facebook.
1: <laughs> That's true. Although oh, no, the kids baby... are on Snapchat, and I feel so old when I'm like, what is that? I do not understand it. <laughs> <laughs> or Instagram, and now yep. everyone's Instagram stories is like the
0: thing. So you got to stay up on the times these days, and I'm glad that we're talking about innovation and ideas for how to innovate within your organization because every company is going to be different. Absolutely. You know, no two companies are the same, even in the same industry. So it's important to kind of find those areas where you can grow and develop and adapt your product and adapt to the market. So, all right, your ebook, you focus on some areas that go along with what we're talking about here. The first was establishing a context for innovation, which we just mentioned, yeah. just talked about. And then you go into fostering an innovative culture, which is mostly you know, about encouraging people and how to get people to think in the mindset of innovation, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you wanted to speak to that at all. Well, I'll go ahead and run through the other chapters as well. Then we have nurturing an innovative team. And then lastly, building processes to support innovation. So can you share a little bit more about the flow and then why these areas are important to our sales leaders that are listening?
1: Definitely. So I kind of started big and worked my way toward the specific. So, you know, the biggest picture obviously is the context for innovation. I just spoke about that. Um, And then I wanted to get into um, culture because when you were saying, you know, even two companies that might be in the same industry are going to be, need to innovate differently and need to think differently. That's your culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Every organization has a different culture. Culture comes out in a lot of different ways. It comes out in um, your physical space. Uh, First of all, how are things set up? You could have one company that's got like an open plan kind of modern style like we would picture at office maybe where they have like um Beanbag chairs in some area, or you know, pool table or foosball or something like that. Like that. Think of the culture that that office promotes. Mm-hmm. Versus, if you had another company and they had a more traditional long hallways with individual offices, so they could be two companies doing the exact same thing. And literally, the layout of their office is going to drive different kinds of communication, different kinds of behavior. Um, then obviously, you just have the culture of of the team that you formed um, and the why and the founders that you might have. Um, And your culture impacts the way innovation happens and you can affect that um, as a leader. Mm -hmm. You know, you can think about how am I going to encourage the kinds of behaviors that drive innovation no matter what my current culture is Um, you know that that first example I gave of a workspace you might think oh you know of course there's innovation we always picture the tech companies and they have these open offices with all these fun stuff so I just need to do that and I get innovation well research has actually shown that you might have a lot of kind of visual distractions and auditory distractions and people might not be able to really concentrate and it can they can struggle with innovation. You might find that you've still organized your company so that, you know, the whole marketing team sits in this area, the whole sales team sits in another building or a different floor, and you're going to struggle to get that cross-functional innovation. So you need to think as a leader, no matter what my environment is, no matter what the current state is, how do I um, take steps toward fostering innovation? Some of it, you know, back to workspace. Do you have small, um, workspaces that people can get into as a group? Do you have things like whiteboards? Do you have technology platforms? Um, You know, are you enabling conversations to happen? Um, One of the big things that we like about Calavia, our sales playbook platform, is a forums feature. You know, are you creating those paths for information to flow? We find that one big spark of innovation is when you have multiple departments talking to each other. Mm-hmm. When something bubbles up out of customer service. You know, a customer um, called in to your customer service team with a problem or a challenge. And the customer service team likely has all kinds of information about how your products and services could be better so they don't get those phone calls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're getting ideas for, for the next step of your products and your services. But if If you don't have a way for that information to go back to your product team, you've got your customer service team sitting there frustrated. You know, they're like, we've got all these ideas. Maybe they're telling them to their manager and their manager is kind of hoping to maybe get to the manager of a different team and information just gets stifled. If you have ways, paths for information to just quickly bubble up, quickly feed over, then the sales team would say, yeah, I'm hearing a very similar thing from prospects. But actually, they want something a little bit different. And you get that cross functional communication. That's really, um, when it comes to culture, uh, one of the big things. Then um, then I went into the innovative team. Mm-hmm. And that's all about just how do you actually structure your team? You really need to think through um, how do you get diverse viewpoints? You know, we often see people have a tendency to hire people who look like them who have similar backgrounds to them. People tend to mentor and develop that. So you end up with organizations that are overwhelmingly white or overwhelmingly male, um, or even sometimes overwhelmingly female if you have a female leadership team. And um, you end up with a really limited set of perspectives. Um, And that can limit innovation because Mm -hmm. innovation comes from diversity. Yeah. Um, So we often see that you need to just build a a diverse team and then reduce um, the hierarchy. Um, that can really restrict innovation. Okay. Um, and then finally, I got into just specifically mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. because obviously then you have to think about what do we do day to day and how does innovation support that? And so again, I went that. off on a bit of a rant, but that's kind of <laughs> how I thought is just like big picture and working my way to the very specific of how people work. Definitely. And it sounds from a lot of what you
0: said that many times it's actually in areas where there are breakdowns in in the business where there's the most opportunity for innovation, right? So For example, let's say that you have a hard time getting case studies Mm -hmm. or testimonials from your clients, going back to that process and saying, where's the breakdown in this? Why aren't we doing this? Creating a new, innovative way to solve that problem could create a bigger innovation within the way that your customers interact with you as well. Absolutely. Looking at the areas of struggle and the areas where there are breakdowns in your systems and processes is a lot of times a great place to start. For innovating with new ideas, right?
1: Absolutely, and it's always so interesting. A lot of times, people approach problems thinking, "I just need to find a solution for the problem," mm-hmm. and kind of check it off the list and not think about it. And don't always look at problems as um, opportunities to innovate. And sometimes you just do really need to solve that problem. Yep. But sometimes you have the ability, um, if you, if it's not, you know. Um, a, hugely urgent problem, if it's not something that's like, you know, we've got to solve this right now, we're like, we're screwed. Um, (laughs) But if it's if you've got a little bit of space, really, sometimes just take a step back and think about how can we take the situation that we're in take this problem that we see coming, take this, um, this challenge, this area where things aren't working as well as we want them to. And how can we innovate um, and do something new and better and different than what we were doing before, as opposed to just kind of solving that little one time problem?
0: Yeah, definitely. about mindset? this actually kind of leads into the question that I had for you, which was about kind of breaking things down and starting at the beginning. How can our CEOs that are listening, our sales managers, the executives, how can they get started with innovation? What is one thing that they could do today to start
1: to encourage an innovative culture? Um, I would recommend forming a cross functional working group that you're going to have that's going to help lead um, conversations about innovation. And this sounds so incredibly corporate, you know, (laughs) cross-functional working group. Um, But this is all about just having a team of key leaders in your organization. And when I say leaders, that doesn't always mean managers. You want people who have ideas, and then you wanna get them together on a regular basis to share those ideas and spark ideas off each other. Um, That could be where they meet quarterly or even they meet monthly. You think about if you had key representation from sales, from marketing, from IT, from whatever your delivery organization is, from whatever your operational arm is. And that can be sometimes the same thing, sometimes different. From HR, um, from the executive or business team. And they're just regularly getting together and saying, you know, what are areas for innovation that you see? Once they've formed and people know who they are, people know I should bring the idea to my representative within that group. Um, they're going to be kind of responsible for, in between meetings, like look at your team, look at your department, look what's what's working, what's not working, and come to these meetings with, um, with ideas, with suggestions, with questions. Um, fostering those relationships between different departments um, with a mandate of, we're always looking for areas for improvement, for areas for innovation, um, and we're going to discuss them and work on them and implement Changes. Yes, You can't yes. just come and sit and talk about stuff. Yeah. Um, you yes. really have to make sure to get projects out of that. But what, what we've seen is just there are so many organizations where amazing ideas are sitting in one department and never get out. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> um, so what we think is really the, the first big step to me is just uh, enabling that cross-functional communication. That's really interesting that you just said that. I was talking to
0: somebody recently who works on the, the finance and data side of a business and noticed from actually just looking at the numbers, looking at the items that are most purchased and things of that nature, he kind of came up with some ideas for marketing Mm -hmm. and then brought those to marketing. Marketing is like, wow, I've never thought of that before. Absolutely. But they're looking at it from a completely different perspective because they're looking at it from a customer-driven perspective versus, like, marketing, we're thinking about branding, and we're thinking about, you know, like, just getting people excited about things, and we have a certain perception about things. Yeah, and finance sees what people are buying. (laughs) Sure, they're like, (laughs) all right, well...
1: uh (laughs) Sales of this product are really high. (laughs) You might not think it's the sexiest product, it's not the prettiest one, it's not the most fun to market, but that's what everybody's buying. How do we... You know how to adjust our strategy. Definitely, it's so important, especially for those departments that are kind of really opposite each other. You Mm -hmm. think of two departments in an organization that might be the most opposite. It's finance and marketing. (laughs) You know, it's like right brain, left brain. But they can really learn from each other, and finance can learn from marketing, and you know, think of ways of looking at information differently or setting, you know, developing different reports. uh, So we can all learn from each other. I mean, I know usually finance is yelling at marketing. (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) definitely, you want to. To spend what <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> do you do anything all day except make pretty pictures <laughs> oh my
0: gosh i, I have probably hear that like five times a week mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of the one of my personal biggest pet peeves so if you ever really want to you know peeve me send me an email <laughs> do you do anything other than make pretty pictures <laughs> no the answer is no no i'm just obviously i don't i'm recording this podcast yeah you make pretty sounds as well as pretty pictures <laughs> Yep, I did my makeup today just for the podcast, just so you know. <laughs> now I'm just messing around. All right, follow up. How can leaders keep innovative ideas flowing without reinventing the wheel? Because this is a problem This is a problem with sales. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Sales people love, even marketing people. All right, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> we come up with all these great ideas and we're like, "Oh man, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this." And then there's this tendency for Everybody leaves and, like, nothing happens, right? Yeah. Or we're trying to take what we have
1: and totally redo it. Yeah, and then you never apply what you just redid. You have to reinvent the wheel the next time again. We see this happen all the time. And like you said, I think it's most common in sales and marketing. Sales will say, we need you to build us a new deck. And then they use that new deck a grand total of (laughs) once. And then the next time they need a deck, they're like, we need a new and better deck. And marketing gets super frustrated with sales. But on the other side of things, you see marketing sometimes constantly switching messaging and imagery. And so the sales team and other teams just feel like, I don't even know what the most current version is. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes people almost maybe feel the need to justify their existence by constantly innovating new things. One thing that I think just needs to happen um, in any organization is you need to set appropriate boundaries and you need to set Um, you know, kind of guidelines around things to say, this is our sales process. And while we are always willing to hear ideas for innovation within the process, this is the process and we expect you to follow it Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, share your ideas, but we're not going to implement every idea we hear Mm -hmm. of. You know, Develop some kind of just approval processes. The same thing needs to happen within marketing, you know, to say, um, what's your marketing strategy? It doesn't always have to be a known strategy for the year, but maybe we want a defined strategy at the beginning of every quarter. And it's important for the rest of the organization to know what's gonna happen. Now that doesn't mean you can't be responsive. And it doesn't mean that you just kind of sit there and and twiddle your thumbs, but you do have to understand that other people in the organization need to have confidence that you're delivering, that you're doing things, that they know what's gonna happen. And so if you're just wildly changing every five minutes, um, it's really difficult for other people (laughs) to keep up and know what's happening. So I just think setting um, Um, setting appropriate guidelines for people, setting expectations is really helpful, but making sure that you have those paths to capture ideas and capture innovations so that you can respond to them. What happens a lot is people are frustrated because they don't think their ideas are going to go anywhere unless they're implemented right now. And so if they think every time we have an idea, we have to implement it right now or it's not ever going to happen, then you always are pivoting and switching strategies. If you have places where you collect those ideas, maybe where people vote on ideas. You know, we often see, um, for example, in Calavia, the sales playbook, people will use the forums for that. They'll say, "Um, give us your ideas for changes to the sales process. And then you can see which ones are driving discussion Mm -hmm. and which ones don't go anywhere. Definitely. Um, And the ones that drive a lot of discussion are maybe the ones to discuss with that cross-functional working group (laughs) uh, and then figure out how you're going to implement them. Versus the ones that were just a one-off idea somebody had or a one-off request, you you don't dismiss those, but they're a lot less important. Um, I just have a a story to tell you. We had one client, um, and this is a really big organization, a media company, um, huge. They had the most complicated Salesforce implementation I had ever seen. They had dozens and dozens of custom fields in there and I just kind of was trying to figure out why do you have this they had two full-time people who were just working on Salesforce and what would happen is other departments you know marketing could say I need a field and there was no process around approving that. And so they just, okay, we'll add the field. Oh wow. And then sales would say, we need a new field for this. <laughs> and that field would get added. And finance would say, we need a new field for this. And it just got big and clunky. And so a lot of times we think of innovation as like iPhone. Innovation as you sure. know, making things yeah. easier yeah. and more beautiful. But unfortunately, sometimes what comes of innovation is, is clunky and, and difficult and hard for the rest of the organization to adopt. And so just having, having some process, some guidelines around it to keep it kind of safe and (laughs) I'd say in
0: that situation having a meeting where everyone that is involved in Salesforce and using Salesforce
1: should get together and kind of agree on what it should look and feel like (laughs) yeah I mean what we recommended to them was um you know you need to have a place again to capture all of these requests and then have regular um times where you evaluate all the requests that you're getting and decide which you're going to implement and how you're going to do it in an elegant and effective way as opposed to you know it's super confusing for the sales team if every time they log into the crm system there are all these new fields and they don't even know what they're for definitely so it's all about just you know making stuff work for people innovation is amazing but you can't just kind of change stuff willy-nilly and not communicate with people not let people know what's happening not um not give people you know, what they need to be effective. Yeah, definitely,
0: and I'd like to give an example from our own company, because I think that this is a valuable lesson, and that's that you can definitely over-innovate. We have no shortage of new ideas at CFS, <laughs> no shortage. Very true. Every day, we're coming up with new ideas, and unfortunately, what ends up happening sometimes is that we stack more and more and more and more things onto the plate, because we're like, oh, this is new, and this is cool, let's do this, let's do this. And we actually got to a point where we are like, we can't do all this stuff. This is too much. It's too many things. And so we had a meeting and we said, what are the most important things that we really need to focus on? What can we stop doing? What mm-hmm. should we keep doing? And I feel like ever since we had that meeting, everyone has been so much more focused and excited about all of the tasks that and activities and the, the innovations that we are pushing forward. Absolutely. And it just gives you a little gives you a little bit more room because when you're trying to do too many things at once. it it, it ends up becoming
1: discouraging, and it just becomes too hard. Definitely. Um, Something that you always want to make sure that you have is an overall purpose, and an overall approach that you take. And if you as a company can kind of agree on you know, not like your mission statement that has to be this really wordsmithed thing that, you know, you went off into a room for three weeks and came up with. (laughs) But um, what are you there for? You know, what's your purpose in the market? What's your purpose as a company? Um, What makes you different from your competitors? And you always want to have that overall purpose. Um, Make sure that everybody buys in on it, that they understand their part in it. And when they do that, when there's that big picture context, it's a lot easier to evaluate ideas within that. Does that help drive our mission or not? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you could even have five, great ideas that help drive the mission, what can you reasonably implement? You know, it's, it's not, there's um, there's that ethos uh, that, that we hear sometimes out of Silicon Valley, you know, move fast and break things. Um, and that's not okay, you know, in a big organization, you can't always break stuff. Yeah, And so you have to really think through. Sometimes you can break um, it to beyond fixable. Definitely, and sometimes you break people. And yeah. if you have people who are overworked and stressed out and exhausted, they don't have any work-life balance. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that a few months ago. Um, it, it really can impede success. It can impede, um, you know, the results that you're looking for. Definitely. And so you have to think, through what an organization can reasonably um, can reasonably absorb and what is in line with your goals. You might decide to stop doing something you've been doing since the beginning because there's something better that better aligns with your goal. Or you might decide, you know what, there's this new interesting idea, but that doesn't really align with where we want to go, where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to implement it yep. um, or we're going to have to think of a different way. Definitely. And I think that a lot of times
0: t- t- having time alone to think through your problems in order to innovate is necessary. A lot of times we have, like, let's say that you just have too much on your plate because you've taken on too many new ideas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes you have to step back and take a little bit of alone time to think through the problem. and. What is the solution to this? So many times we just keep going with what we're doing, and we don't take the time to evaluate where we are.
1: Absolutely, so quiet time is so important. Um, when it comes to innovation, there's there's a lot that you get out of that um, cross-functional. You know, working with different people, different perspectives. But there's a lot that. Just happens when you have a chance to like pause and breathe. Yes. (laughs) And if you're in an office that's really noisy and visually distracting, and when you're constantly pulled into meetings and you're constantly head down buried in just getting things done, you're not going to have the opportunity to really, um, pause and reflect and and think. And so making sure you have that quiet time, that quiet space, Mm -hmm. um, give yourself the opportunity to work on something and get really deeply embedded and sometimes not work on something. You just take a step back and think you can do that. You can have a brainstorming session, like by yourself. It's okay. I always
0: laugh because when Charles comes in on Mondays, he always, that's when he has the best ideas and his the most ideas because he's had alone time over the weekend and he's like Mm -hmm. oh I thought of these great ideas for me it's when I work from home when I have my remote days and I'm working and I'm alone I'll be like oh man we can totally change the way that this works and it would make this better so sometimes when you just need a little bit of time um but then it's also great once you've had time to think about it by yourself bring it to the team and Mm -hmm. you know continue the discussion together because that will help fully flesh it out and think about every side. We don't always think about every side of something when we're on our own.
1: Definitely, and one thing that's really important is just to figure out, and this kind of goes back to culture, what is your team's culture around discussions and sharing ideas and discussing ideas? And um, so you need to have people who are gonna approach things differently. If you have a team and everybody's a cheerleader, um, everybody is just adding new and mm-hmm. nobody's kind of looking. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. That's not always the most helpful. No, not On at the all. other hand, if you have a team where everybody is just like pointing out weaknesses and that's not going to work because yeah. it never worked before, that's not ideal either. Having a mix of perspectives is helpful. Absolutely. You have to value both, right? You need yeah. to actually value. There are people who are going to notice. Weaknesses. That's a good thing. Yep. Um, that's not always a no. That's a let's not do it that way because it might not work. Let's try to think of a better way to do it that doesn't have that big gaping weakness <laughs> that I can see. Um, should, should they have a DISC? Uh, possibly, <laughs> right? And so I'll say this is I'm, I'm somebody who can often notice what are the areas of potential weakness. Yes. And, um, you know, that could get perceived sometimes as you're the person who always says no. It's like, no, that, that's the person who, <laughs> no, no, it's not the person who says no. <laughs> but it's the person who says, hey, let's not do it that way let's think of a different way versus there are some people um you know and I can find it difficult if somebody's just like always adding new ideas but that's a good thing and so we have to just respect each other and figuring out how to um how to encourage that and how to not kind of step on each other's toes, not hurt feelings, but enable that kind of lively interactive discussion. That's going to end up with a better result than where you started. It's so important. You don't want to have an organization where somebody just comes in and says, I have this idea and nobody feels empowered to give feedback, to give constructive criticism. That's not okay.
0: Definitely. <laughs> now I have to ask you, since we are a digital sales playbook organization organization, what role does a sales playbook play when it comes to innovation and how can our listeners use their sales playbook to drive innovative ideas keep innovation flowing all that good stuff do you have any
1: tips or advice that you can pass along definitely i think um i'm gonna give two ideas um, and i've kind of touched on both of them so far but i think it would be helpful first of all i think it's really important to have your existing processes, your existing, like what, what is the current state documented in the playbook? Mm-hmm. And that gives that foundation that you can then build off and change. If people are confused, if they don't know what's happening, they're gonna be kind of innovating in a vacuum. Yeah. You know, if people don't know that there's a process for how you do, you know, for example, how you run a sales meeting. If you, if you have a process, but people don't know it, they're all gonna be doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. If instead they know this is how we're supposed to run a meeting, mm-hmm. then they can have ideas and react to something. Um, so first step is just have your processes documented in your playbook, and that can be sales, obviously the big focus for us is sales, but that can be marketing marketing processes. It can be other things. Um, The second thing I'm going to say is within your your sales playbook, you want to make sure to have areas for discussion. Um, We see so many of our clients have teams that are spread out across the country, across the world. um, And it's, it's quite often the case that people don't have the opportunity to really relate to each other and communicate with each other in an mm-hmm. easy way. Um, you might have a tool for that, in which case this isn't the most important thing in your playbook. But if you're not using tools to enable conversations between the team, use the forums in your sales playbook platform. Um, there, are, there are forums built into Calavia. whatever playbook you you use. You want to make sure that you just have have a kind of chat function within there, yeah, and then just. Um, it's basically discussion boards, you know, that, that's the foundation of the internet when it first started was discussion boards. And we go away from that and then we keep coming back to that because people want to have places where you can say, I have an idea, I have a question, and then get discussion from all these different people on the team. Mm-hmm. And so having a an innovations or ideas forum where people can just throw out, like, I had an idea. Why don't we do this? Why don't we ask this question instead of that question? Why don't we switch the order of our presentation? So instead of talking about, you know, one, two, three, four, we talk about one, four, two, five. (laughs) Um, And uh, it's, It seems a little bit silly, but just having a place where people can share those ideas and then the rest of the team can contribute uh, is an incredibly powerful way to spark innovation.
0: Definitely. And I would love to speak to the innovation that is Calavia, which is our digital sales playbook platform, and just to kind of talk through how innovation has worked for us. Because I think it's it's an example that might be helpful to other people, but I'll give you the short version. A little over 10 years ago... Charles started working with clients to help them grow sales, right? So consulting with people and building out their processes, any scripts, how people are selling, how they're building relationships, and making it into a process. And he was really inspired by uh, Michael's Michael Gerber's book, E-Myth, which I love because it's all about creating processes and they share, There's so get the book. If you haven't read it, there's so much good stuff it. in there about- creating processes and how the process and repeated processes are kind of the key to success for the organizations mentioned in this book. So anyway, that's a long way of saying that Charles started building playbooks. And now back then, this was, you know, computers, internet, we were in kind of a... It was the dark ages. (laughs) It was the dark ages, (laughs) pre-iPhone, all that kind of stuff. And it, it worked on paper. You know, most people, when they think of a playbook, they think of a manual like a user manual here's a here's my sales guide or yeah, whatever a literal book a lot of times a it's like book. a three-ring binder and the innovation was when technology was exploding and becoming a big thing charles saw the opportunity to say hey let's take this to the digital age you know we criteria for success as a company i <laughs> came up with that <laughs> so let's take this to the digital age because our reps are everywhere and the processes are always changing, they're changing constantly. The way that we sold last year is not the way that we're selling this year. So being able to innovate those processes quickly makes it more possible when you're using a digital platform. And then last year we had another innovation and that's that we were building these playbooks with our clients and we realized that there was a lot of people that They had a base, they had somewhere, they had some ideas of their base products, but they didn't have a platform. And so we said, ooh, Calavia, we will put Calavia out there for people that they already have a base playbook, they have some ideas, they have some processes, but they don't have a place to share those ideas with their team and Mm -hmm. for salespeople to really communicate and managers to coach people and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of a long way of saying, you know, innovation You've got to go along with what people are doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and what they need and what they ask for. Um, as the product manager for the playbook, yeah. um, I can really speak to that. You know, I've been at Criteria for Success now for about 10 and a half years. And when I started, <laughs> thank you, um, when I started, uh, the playbooks were static websites that we would build for clients. And then we had the idea um, when we saw what, what was happening with wikis, we thought, why don't we move that to a wiki? So instead of us having to update the playbook when clients have an update, they they can update it themselves. Um, awesome. And what happened, and this is something that'll happen in your organization as well, ideas come from all these different things. Mm-hmm. We had one client that we were doing coaching them. So we would, um, the reps would come into our office, we had a call center build out, and they would make calls from the phones in our office. And we would listen in and coach them on those calls. Um, We don't do that anymore. That was a long (laughs) time ago. But um, we needed a way to share our feedback and share our notes with their managers back in their office who weren't you know, sitting in on the phone calls. And so we developed something called coaching journals, where we set up a page for each person and we would post our notes on the calls and their managers would post their feedback and questions and we communicated and then we thought, why don't we apply that within organizations where they have coaching journals? That's where the whole process around coaching journals in Calavia um, and in playbooks built out. It came from that need. And so we hear stuff, we hear ideas from clients. One of the things that we love about Calavia and our Calavia clients is every Calavia client uses their playbook differently. Mm -hmm. And so we see ideas and we're like, oh, they built out this whole section in their playbook. Why don't we recommend that other clients do that? And so something that we have for our Calavia clients is there's a monthly webinar where they get on and they can share their ideas with each other. Definitely. And we we get the ideas for what we're going to talk about in those webinars from what we see people doing using Calavia. Um, there's that discussion that happens. And it's just amazing the things that come up. Um, we even internally use, uh, within our playbook, we have our employee handbook. And so that that's a couple of things that that, that makes it easier. We When we have new employees, they can read through the handbook, and we have them reply, indicating that they've read each page. So we have mm-hmm. that record mm-hmm. that they've read it. Then if we need to make a change to the handbook, it's quick and easy because it's on a website. And then it's easy enough to send everybody a link. Hey, this part of our handbook has changed. Please review it. Um, and there's a record of when it was changed and what the previous version was. Just simple ways of now that you have the ability to do something within technology, that can spark an idea for Definitely. how you actually change the product itself. Definitely. I don't know how I would,
0: I would live without our playbook. <laughs> I, I don't know. What, I, what would you do? How, how do you do your job? You go into work like... William, what am i going to do today <laughs> no but it's it's awesome and i also wanted to speak to because a lot of people get confused about the name whenever we say calavia and they're like well that's a weird name is that you know what is, it a is flower, flower? <laughs> <laughs> what is that but it actually is the combination of the word collaboration and via which means the way to collaborate calavia so Absolutely.
1: How had to throw that out there. For those of you that were wondering, now you know. <laughs> yes, that was a, a fun uh, naming process. Oh my goodness, we went through 10,000 ideas. Oh, Poor Rebecca. Talk about we innovation. all of them. And then we just paid somebody and they came up with it quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah, talk about innovation. That is one of the hardest things that we probably have done here was getting people within your organization to decide on a name for something is not easy. Yeah, and sometimes you just need to say, let's not and let's get somebody from outside <laughs> and we you. we came out came up with a good process where we all ended up i think voting yeah. you know what we like clover the was my favorite we did like that one it was just too infiltrated in the yeah, market everybody we, has
1: something called clover
0: for real <laughs> <laughs> nobody has something called calabia because we made it up <laughs> that's right no one has something called calabia and no one knows what it means so now <laughs> except for <laughs> how to pronounce to this it. episode yeah that too Calabia. <laughs> that's charles well, I could certainly, we could certainly talk about innovation and the topics that are in this ebook all day, but I'm just going to tell you guys, go download the ebook. Thank you. you. Can find it in the show notes. Again, criteriaforsuccesscom slash pod 73 So
1: Elizabeth, any, any last words? Um, I, the thing I'm going to say, it's kind of how I end the ebook is just go get started. Um, Really take a look and see where you have room to innovate. A lot of times we just get stuck in a rut. We get stuck in doing the same things the same way. We know that there's room for improvement, but we just, you know, keep our heads down and keep going. So I really just want to encourage everybody to take that mindset, you know, what can I do to make things better um, and get started?
0: Definitely. And if you want to know or learn more about digital sales playbooks, call Elizabeth because (laughs) she is our sales playbook genius so call her and thank you for listening to today's show again you can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com pod 73 that's p-o-d seven three and be sure to tune in on Friday we're going to have a special inspiration about innovation by Vince Lombardi and don't forget to tune in on Monday for an interview with Bryn Tillman she is a LinkedIn expert and social selling genius so you won't want to miss that one she is great and all month we're going to be writing about innovation on the CFS blog so don't forget get to check that out. And hey, subscribe to the blog while you're there, criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. Like what you're hearing? Please subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to shows. And if you could drop us a rating, that would be awesome and I would love it. And hey, send me your feedback too, podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Arianna Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. That's me. (laughs) Happy selling, everyone.